0: Center State CEO is Central New York's leading business leadership and economic development organization, committed to creating a region where businesses thrive and all people prosper. Welcome to Center State CEO's semi-monthly podcast, Talk CNY, presented by NBT Bank.
1: Through this series, Center State CEO shares the latest news and information on topics ranging from community and workforce development to policy and innovation. You'll get an inside look at the people, projects, and planning moving Central New York forward. Take a moment right now to subscribe in your listening app for new episode reminders every other Wednesday.
2: Right now, we are hearing from Central New York companies that they are poised for unprecedented growth. The challenge that most of them face to achieving their growth potential is talent. What's really ironic about that is that we have so much talent in our community that is hidden and untapped people waiting for opportunities who want to be part of our community's growth, who want to build wealth and have access to opportunity. And so the real challenge for us is to marry those two things together.
0: Today, Dominic Robinson, Center State CEO's Senior Vice President of Inclusive Growth, and Amy Durfee, Vice President of Workforce Innovation at Center State CEO, join us to talk about hidden talent in our community and efforts Center State CEO is leading to connect those individuals to opportunities. I'm Andrew Fish, Senior Vice President of Member and Business Experience at Center State CEO.
1: I'm Kate Hammer, Business Coach and Member at Center State CEO. We are your hosts for Talk CNY. Dom, Amy, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: All right. Well, let's get this thing
3: kicked off. Why is equity part of our workforce strategy? Well, as Don was saying, we've got so many opportunities here for people and equity is a way to increase access for people who already have talent, who already have skills, but who might not have access to information about jobs. They might not know how to get trained for those jobs. Um, We wanna be able to bring more diverse talent into these incredible work opportunities and career opportunities in tech, in construction, in advanced manufacturing, making semiconductor chips. In order for everyone to benefit from all of this growth that's happening here, we have to have equity as a foundational principle for what we're doing.
2: And I think the thing about it is, is that there's a lot of research that shows that diverse teams are more productive, more effective. Uh, but the reality is, is that not all populations, not all people have the same access. Mm. Um, so, you know, for us, equity is about opening up access to everyone who lives here in central New York and giving them the opportunity to be part of that growth. That's fantastic, and
0: obviously super important, and especially at a time where the labor market seems to be so constricted, and there's such low unemployment rates. But what we know is there's a lot of right opportunities for people who are not maybe in those statistics. That's right. Um, and so I think we use a phrase around here: hidden talent. Is that so? You want to tell us a little bit about what that means and why that's a key part of our
2: strategy? Well, I think hidden talent is you know literally folks that are capable of doing jobs that are you know, posted and, and on the market here in Central New York, but who aren't showing up in those unemployment statistics, right? So we look at our unemployment rate and think it's very low, and, and technically it is. But what it doesn't account for is the roughly 40% of the folks in our region who yeah. are underemployed, who are working what amount to really difficult jobs that often require government subsidies that are very difficult for them to make ends meet, And these are people with a ton of talent, obviously great work ethic, many times working multiple jobs, Mm -hmm. who could take those experiences and skills and transfer them over to be successful in a career that has more growth potential. At the same time, there are a lot of people who are not working and not showing up on our unemployment, people who've dropped out of the labor force. We've seen an example of this over the past couple of years during the pandemic and since the pandemic with women. A lot of the the workforce participation numbers uh, don't reflect the fact that women have dropped out of the workforce since the pandemic because they have the been the primary caregivers in their families mm-hmm. in times where a lot of the resources that they typically relied on to be able to go to work were no longer there, mm-hmm. right? So the question is, how do we take a very focused approach to certain populations and help them uh, step out of the kind of, you know, vicious cycle that they're in and access – an opportunity that will give them a better quality of life and give employers the talent they need. I mean, the problems sound really complex,
0: right? I mean, there's just so many different layers to it in terms of, you know, even even those that are underemployed versus those that have stepped away from the markets, the needs that they have are different. How do you tackle something that has that many facets? How do you approach this kind of a problem as a community?
3: I would one of the things that we've learned from talking to people who are in that situation, who are trying to make that switch, is that we need to be able to pay people for their time while they're Mm. in training, they need to be able to know there's actually a destination at the end of this process, right? That if they take that risk to make a change in their lives, that it will actually lead somewhere Mm. because it's a big shift. People making changes that affect their home, that affect their family, that affect their own perception of who they are and what they're going to be doing as a career that's a big giant change. So, we have to develop ways for people to be able to go through that process and prepare for that transition. Mm-hmm. It's also about transportation and childcare, making sure that those systems are accessible for people um, and flexible for people, that we have childcare that's open at the same time that shifts start mm-hmm. or before shifts start. We can drive up their kids and then get to work. We know that if those things start to align, if employers and childcare centers start to align, more evenly that employers will potentially have access to a whole new talent pool. Yeah. They start their shift times at different times. So there's just there's layers that happen on the employer side there are also training providers making trainings that are shorter, faster, paid, contextualized in the community. Those are all the changes that we're trying to make in the system
2: here. I think when people think about workforce development, they think of it as training and that's a part of it, right? But you use the word complex and you hear about all the things that Amy just mentioned. It's really accounting for all these variables and taking a holistic approach. You know, and it's it's amazing just to personalize it, I think about
0: the challenges that my partner and I face. We both have salaried professional jobs where we have a lot of flexibility and the timing associated with childcare and its options is still complicated and difficult, right? And so Mm -hmm. I just, I take that moment and think about if that weren't my situation and my ability to be employed or to find another opportunity was dependent upon certain times where I needed to be there, what a barrier Mm -hmm. that is, what a challenge that has to be. Yeah,
2: we need to be wrapped up in about 28 minutes so I can get my kids. Yeah, yeah, right. We'll make sure that we do that. For sure.
1: <laughs> that is an actual fact. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between what is happening right here in Center State to make this work? And then what is happening uh, on a larger scale in the community?
2: We could tag team this one, but, you know, I think that what we have gotten really comfortable asserting is that we don't do training. We don't do service provision, right? There are nonprofits, there are two-year colleges and workforce organizations that do that work. Our job is first and foremost to, you know, leverage the relationships we have with our business leaders to understand their needs and to understand them in ways that allow us to really meet company owners where they are, to meet business leaders where they are, and, and then to develop workforce solutions that sometimes challenge them to think and do things differently, but also where we're rallying our training partners and our community partners to align their services and their resources with the needs of the employers, right? So we're kind of taking a dual approach where we're really engaging employers, working with them, getting them to rethink stuff, and then our partners too. And so we're kind of facilitating solutions and thinking about all the different variables that need to be addressed to make something um, a reality, as opposed to just developing and executing a training program when, you know, that's obviously something that others in the the community can do better than we can.
3: So we are supporting the Mayor's Syracuse Build Initiative and Syracuse Surge Initiative. So what that means is that we are incubating trainings, putting trainings together, putting all of the supportive services together related to getting more women and people of color into construction careers, into advanced manufacturing careers and into software careers. So many, many partners that we work with to make that happen. But part of our work is also to introduce best practices and so and experiment a little bit and sort of see, well, can we, can we do this? Can we do a training that is shorter and that's picking people out of the community. For example, mm-hmm. we've got employers coming to us saying we need more electrical maintenance techs, so the people who take care of the equipment in mm-hmm. manufacturing facilities. Mm-hmm. But we don't we don't want to just replicate a two-year program. We wanted to say, can we do this faster? So finding people who already had experience, people who worked mm-hmm. on farm equipment or motorcycles or already had mechanical experience, mm-hmm. bringing them into the program, doing a shorter program, And then working with employers to continue training people after they get on the job, as opposed to starting people who with people who have maybe no experience, Mm -hmm. who might need a much longer runway, but that's that untapped talent. So that's a lot of the work that we do is identifying, reaching out and finding those skills that people have that they could be, they may have used in a previous job, but they could be using in a job that's paying them a lot more.
2: It really requires us in that regard to work with an asset-minded, you know, a mentality. We're, we're really thinking about, you know, you hear people complain like, oh, there's nobody out there with skills or there's a huge skills gap or no mm-hmm. one wants to work. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, actually, no, people are hungry for work. They right. just can't get out of their current situation. People have skills. They're just not formalized. They're just yeah. not certified the way you need them to be. So how do we actually go out and and mine for all that goodness and unlock Mm it uh, and and kind of dispel those narratives.
3: We've had one employer in particular who has worked with us on a manufacturing program who actually agreed to not always use high school diploma as a prerequisite for for their hiring, but And instead of that, they were able to use people coming through and successfully completing this program because you're really looking at what skills do people have, not necessarily did they complete high school or not.
0: Hmm, That's fascinating. And I mean, it also sounds like there is a lot of collaborations, right? A lot of partnerships. I mean, what you're describing is just really understanding the landscape and Mm -hmm. facilitating those solutions. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that our approach to that?
3: Yeah, so another example is within Syracuse Build, the Pathways to Apprenticeship program, Mm -hmm. which is preparing uh, primarily women and people of color to enter the union construction trades. I think we've got about 10 or 12 different partners that are working on the program side, in addition to about 10 or 12 union partners, putting all of this together from financial coaching to math tutoring to field trips to see the union apprenticeship sites to getting people access to cars, all the things that it takes to get paying people's union dues for the first couple of months, mm-hmm. buying tools and boots, all the things that you need to just be able to launch into that career, mm-hmm. it's not insignificant. Yeah. And so all of those partnerships are essential and it's not easy to maintain them and keep them going mm-hmm. and keep everyone going on the same page. But once we get into a rhythm, it starts to work and it just, it's amazing what's as possible. And,
2: and to the job seeker who's sitting in the training, they don't necessarily even know or experience that it's, it's 10 different agencies coming in to work with them, right? They're right. just kind of going through the process and okay, now it's time to think about transportation. Now it's time to, you know, consider my financial health and maybe open up a savings account or do some credit repair, but that's just kind of all part of what they're getting through the program. And so, but on their own, they'd have to do that all. It's so disaggregated, yeah. right? And uh, I think that what, what I will say is that there's no one organization that, can provide all the resources that are necessary to really address the systemic issues that a lot of people face when they're looking for work. Mm-hmm. But what's necessary then is, is that kind of intermediary that often we serve as, but it doesn't have to be us, right? It's just have, it's having someone who's looking at the, the full picture and bringing together all the different resources and making sure that they're working in unison. That is the secret sauce. And that's something that I've been really proud of our team in terms of how we've done that over the years.
0: This is super exciting stuff, and I know that there's a little bit more we want to get to, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the final word from our guests. But first, here's a note from Talk Wise, presenting sponsor, NBT Bank.
2: Every day at NBT Bank, we focus our business around all the ways we can help yours. We're large enough to offer leading business and digital solutions, but local enough to ensure personalized one-on-one service. So turn to NBT Bank for a full range of business solutions, like capital and treasury management services, even fraud protection, and see how NBT Bank is just the right size to help you do big things. Visit nbtbank.com to learn more and start a conversation. Equal Housing Lender, Member FDIC.
1: Continuing our conversation, as we look to the future needs in this community, what do we have to do together to ensure we are ready for the future?
2: I think that it's hard to overstate just how different things are going to be. With Micron coming to Syracuse, bringing 9,000 jobs over 20 years, adding an additional 40,000 jobs, it's, you know, it's a challenge that unlike any we've ever faced before, right, we already have employers struggling to find workers and the the interesting thing about it is is that we have great educational partners who are going to be able to design and deliver programs that meet micron's needs that meet the needs of their supply chain partners that meet the needs of the additional professional service providers that need to you know stand up shops around the town but the fact of the matter is is that especially in fields like tech and advanced manufacturing, we already have a pipeline issue getting into those programs. We have empty seats in classrooms. We have advanced manufacturing programs, engineering programs that are predominantly white and male and half empty classrooms. So our real challenge is not necessarily how do we train people for the future is how do we develop a pipeline of people who have the baseline skills that are necessary to go and access those trainings and who have uh, the conditions in their lives that allow them to pursue them without getting hung up with all the barriers that come with living at the margins of the economy, right? So that's really where Amy and I are focused our day-to-day, is, is thinking about the system below the system, right? Is how do we develop infrastructure that unlocks talent and brings them to that level where they can get trained and go do those jobs?
3: And also just learning more, having people understand what like, what is a semiconductor? What is that, right? What Micron does is make chips mm-hmm. that go into devices that store memory, right? So these are things that are in your phones, that are in all kinds of devices. Yeah. And so the work to be done in this facility is going to be mostly manufacturing, high volume manufacturing of these chips. Right. So that's part of what we want to do is educate people. What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. What if, What would your day to day world look like if you get people behind the walls of the of the facility to understand like what are the careers because you don't you think about construction people kind of know what that is because you can see it Mm -hmm. you may have participated in it right but this is a whole new world when we're talking about manufacturing high-tech products it's this very specialized set of skills and something that people don't necessarily know what that is if no one in your family or immediate totally. surroundings has mm-hmm. been connected to that industry. So we've got a long ways to go to educate people in real, accessible, culturally responsive ways to understand what would you be doing in this career and what are your opportunities? If you entered the semiconductor industry, mm-hmm. what are the opportunities for you to advance and making those real for people and making yeah. them and providing very clear steps and milestones for people to get onto that path so they're not feeling oh that's for somebody else that's not really for me i love that yes there's a mental model shift to be able to say no that is for me i can yeah. do that and,
2: and if you think about the the kind of prevailing legacy around like manufacturing in our community right It was the lifeblood of our economy for a long time. Mm -hmm. It provided middle-class living to a very diverse workforce, and then it collapsed. And the manufacturing jobs that have remained have largely been hidden in kind of little industrial pockets in our community, so they're not even visible. And the people that are doing them are mostly white men. And as a white man, I'm not anti-white men, but I think that we also Mm -hmm. know that we all gravitate to the things that we're familiar with, right? And yes. so if you don't have someone in your family working in manufacturing, then you you have no concept of what it is. And so there's a little bit of a, a stigma, I think, that manufacturing has taken on, right? It's become almost part of our Rust Belt narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And so the question now is, we're bringing manufacturing back, but in ways that are radically different than it's ever been in, you know before. This is a really incredible opportunity that's that's something that is real you know and it's i think interesting because a lot of people get excited about tech right Mm -hmm. we don't really have a whole lot of trouble recruiting for programs that we're developing and sponsoring in in the software space Mm -hmm. for some reason that's that's sexy that's exciting right sure but this is also tech it's, yeah. just, it's the hardware side. Right. So we, we got to make hardware sexy. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's like part of the that's part of the challenge in front of us. But I think that when you yeah. when you really think about what the technological application of of this is, that it's mind blowing and it's exciting and it's interesting. And I think that that's the thing that we have to get people to start to better understand.
3: Yeah.
0: Amazing to
2: have both of you on
0: impressive work i know i get to watch it from next to you and sometimes in the trenches with you on this stuff and we got a lot of work ahead of us we know but really really grateful to have the two of you as part of the team here at center state and helping make change in this community the way that we're headed thank you guys very much thank you you. center state ceo's podcast talk cny is presented by nbt bank and is available on clickcny.com and all major podcast platforms after each episode, you can join us on Click, where we'll continue to chat about this topic and provide additional resources and links. In Click, you can also listen or watch to every episode in the series of Talk CNY. Click is Center State CEO's interactive digital chamber platform where our members connect, learn, and receive support from our staff.
1: Join us in March as we explore the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion in creating better workplaces and communities for all. For new episode reminders every other Wednesday, be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app. If you're enjoying TalkCNY, consider leaving a quick review or a five-star rating.